Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Look, I mean, I think the whole, you know, the whole crypto space is a um, is a space to watch um, with, you know, Bitcoin and, and what's going on there, both as, you know, the regulatory, the way it's regulated around the world changes and, you know, the markets and, and the usages change. Um, the the eternal chestnut, which of, of the, you know, the phase uh, tranche two and the designated non-financial um, businesses and professions that are um, at the moment doing things ad hoc, but um, may one day be regulated. Um, I think that remains a space to be, um, to, to watch. Um, and I guess the third area is to just be mindful that there have been a number of changes in the last year or more and to uh, bed those down and um, ensure that you're working with you know the uh, the current version of the rules and the law welcome to the grc professional podcast my name is Kwame slusher i am the editor at the grc institute and today we have with us Andrew Ham, our resident financial crime expert. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm going well, Kwame. How are you? Uh, not too bad. And today, I think, um, is a bit of a health check for those um, their AML financial crime programs, um, specifically looking at the annual compliance report, which is due next month on the 31st. So not so long away, actually. So hopefully everyone's gotten started on that already. Um, but to jump right into things, Andrew, um, are there some key elements that reporting entities should be thinking about when filling out this report? Uh, thanks, Kwame. Yes, well, really, um, this year, um, the uh, report doesn't seem to have changed that much. It seems to have settled down in the last few years after the big change, changes that were made a few years ago. And really, it's just um, uh, more of the same. But uh, as this particular approach um, has more history behind it, I guess being more aware than ever of what you've said in previous years so that you uh, can maintain consistency. So I guess um, as I look at these questions, um, there are as ever... Uh, a few landmines in there where it looks like an innocent enough question, but um, there is some there is some uh, method uh, behind it, and it's it's good to be aware of that. So, uh, for example, when um, you are asked questions about whether you have uh, completed an uh, or, or when your prepare was most recently independently reviewed. Um, Remember what you said last year. It's good to be um, consistent about that and make sure that, um, you know, when you put last year's answer together with this year's answer, um, you aren't inadvertently telling Austrac that you are in breach of your obligation to review periodically, which they take to mean, um, you know, at least every two years or so, depending on your, obviously, your risk. Uh, it's, it's a risk-based um, decision. So another example of that, I suppose, is uh, in the area of uh, risk assessments, which they ask you about. 
and they ask you innocently enough if your program has been, um, if you have reviewed your risk assessment in the business, and if so, there's a list of half a page or more of uh, reasons that might have prompted it, um, ranging from an, an Austrac compliance assessment or enforcement action through to um, independent reviews, changes to legislation, and newly identified risks or, or designated services and other internal things. Um, really, um, the best possible answer would be that all of the internal things apply. So if you are tempted to be frugal in terms of the boxes you tick there, I would um, say that, um, you know, best practice would be that you should be looking at most of those. Um, but, um, and if Austrac detects a pattern that you aren't, then again, that might one day um, be of um, interest to them and not in a good way. I guess the other thing to be aware of, as always, Kwame, or two things, is to have a good sense of the governance you, you want to have around the completion of the report before you start, which would include things like deciding who has the data, you know, at the front line in, um, in terms of being able to complete this report with um, confidence and, and having some um, evidence behind the numbers and starting that process early so that it's documented, you can, you know, um, escalate the information requests through the business and um, have a good portfolio of, of evidence or information on which to make the final submission. Um, the other thing to just be conscious of in doing this is that, of course, if you are, um, if you like, perhaps overthinking the, um, the questions about what Austrac might be looking for, or you might be tempted to give a, um, you know, the answer that you think is the right answer, you know, whether or not it's what is happening on the ground, um, then to, uh, to resist that temptation. These reports, of course, go into Austrac and you may hear nothing, but that doesn't mean that they're not looked at. So uh, when you have an issue or they detect an issue through surveillance or something else, one of the um, easy things for them to do is to look back at the reports you've submitted and see if the issues that they've detected, which they might be problems around um, transaction reporting or, you know, other issues that have come up from a compliance visit, and they may well look in, at your past compliance reports and see if the answers in there are consistent. And if they're not, then that could lead to a further avenue of inquiry for them um, because um, in some senses it's much easier for a regulator to go after a, you know a um, reporting entity for lodging a false report than it is for actually breaching more substantive provisions of the act so i know not a lot has changed with the report itself but i I do think that over, I guess, the time of the pandemic anyways, there had been some changes in some of the approaches to fulfilling the KYC aspect of the AML CTF, just because of, um, in terms of how do you identify who your 
customers are because everything has to be done online everything is virtual and so there might be some dependence on different types of identity documents or is that there's been no shift in that no no well i um i guess that's that's something that would have been evolving over the last couple of years and yeah. there's been um uh changes in in some of the other uh related legislation for example in in the corporation space about um you know the things you can do electronically um we used to have used to have uh, it used to be much more kind of old school pen and paper, but um, so those sorts of issues have have bettered down, and you know people are getting used to things. So absolutely, that would be um, an example of a reason to be re-examining your risk assessments because you're doing less face to face, and so um, you may be satisfying your um, KYC obligations, as you say, through uh, the use of Zoom rather than people handing over paper copies of certified, you know, certified copies of documents. Um, and um, that's an evolving, that's an evolving story, uh, which, you know, is, has been discussed by Austrac before. And if you read the rules carefully, for example, um, people have found that it's impossible or not feasible to record and store the um, the um, KYC that they may do over Zoom, where there is a, a technique that you could rely on, say, where you hold up a driver's licence to the camera, you know, next to your face and, uh, you know, the financial or the reporting entity at the other end can satisfy themselves that, you know, that is a picture of you. Um, if you record that, it's, you know, gigabytes worth of data and it's, most, you know, um, customer, you know, CMS systems won't, won't um, CRS systems won't be able to uh, hold that amount of information, but the Act doesn't actually require you to. So if you don't create the record, you don't have to store it. Um, it's enough, just as an example, to, um, to um, make a note, you know, for the officer to make a note that they've cited you know, through that mechanism, and if that mechanism is permitted under your program, then um, you can, you know, you can proceed. And just a reminder of who the industries are that are captured and who have to do this report, because I know over the couple of years there have been a few industries, maybe much smaller players, who weren't even aware that this was a requirement under the AMLCTF. Uh, yes, well, it's a good, a good. Um, Wake up call that um, it's worth getting advice early as to whether you're or not you're providing a designated service. And you know there are, for example, I think those sorts of examples you're thinking of have been around the in the pubs and clubs sort of space. Um, I think also some remitters have been surprised at how broad the definition of remittance is. Um, it doesn't even necessarily have to be cash that we're talking about. Um, so. Um, there's a, a transmission of value. So that's a complicated space and um, kind of thing where you should be proceeding cautiously and getting legal advice. I suspect though we're preaching to the choir uh, in this um, podcast, Kwame, but um, generally um, it's whenever you make changes to your business, it's worth um, it's worthwhile keeping in mind the potential to be um, 
inadvertently straying into a designated service and needing to needing to um, get a program in place and enrol. All right. Well, assuming that we are preaching to the choir, um, hopefully everyone has this sorted and they've already gotten started and they're well under the way to getting that report submitted at the end of March. We're all, we've all got the same hymn book. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so just uh, stepping back from the annual compliance report itself and maybe just looking generally at AM, AML and financial crime, are there any particular issues you think might crop up in 2022 and beyond um, dealing with AML financial crime? And that's from maybe incoming regulatory changes, maybe potential legislative changes, or maybe just some new risks on the horizon. Look, I mean, I think the whole... You know the whole crypto space is a um, is a space to watch um, with you know Bitcoin and and what's going on there, both as you know the regulatory the way it's regulated around the world changes and you know the markets and and the usages change. Um, the the eternal chestnut, which of of the you know the phase uh, tranche two and the designated non financial. Um, businesses and professions that are um, at the moment doing things ad hoc, but um, may one day be regulated. Um, I think that remains a space to be um, to to watch. Um, and I guess the third area is to just be mindful that there have been a number of changes in the last year or more and to uh, bed those down and um, ensure that you're working with, you know, the, uh, the current version of the rules and the law. Yeah. Another thing to pick up on is, you know, every year we have our annual um, Financial Crimes Congress and one of the things that whoever the designated Austrack speaker is always highlights as a challenge for reporting entities um, seems to be around the space of, risk assessments and doing good risk assessments. And then also around the suspicious matter reporting, which is still a variable quality um, every time they, they talk about it. So any advice around uh, businesses doing better <laughs> in the future? Honestly, Kwame, that's a, you know, that's an excellent ad. Um, I think that, you know, the, in terms of doing better, Austrax guidance has um, improved and become more helpful um, in the last year or two. There's a very good guide on um, suspicious matter reporting now, with, with examples, and shows you what what they like to see. Um, so that's that's very useful. The risk assessments that they've been putting out, the industry risk assessments, again, are a, um, a goldmine of intel. Um, whether or not you are directly in those industries, it's worth looking at them just for the methodology, um, how they identify the, you know, the threats and vulnerabilities of, of an industry and a product and, um, and how they structure, you know, those, their responses is um, something that should be um, mirrored in your own risk assessments and program. So I think if I had a, you know, a one-sentence answer, answer to that question, it would be to look at the Austrac guidance. 
And final question, um, and this is just a general open one, any words of wisdom for financial crime compliance professionals who are just trying to get this piece right for the organizations? Goodness. <laughs> You've come to the wrong place for words of wisdom. But, um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, to get, to, get, uh, to get this area right, uh, you need, uh, I think, a range of skills and to recognize that. Um, so it's not just, you know, a, comp a straight compliance question. There's a large element of, of being able to be a risk manager as well, um, you know, among, among other things, as well as, you know, you've got to know a bit about sanctions. You've got to know a bit about, um, you know, cybersecurity and, uh, and you've got to be, um, always thinking like a, you know, a, a hacker, like the people you're trying to keep out. So, um, it's a, it's a multidisciplinary little corner of um, the compliance world. And so it is always helpful to be able to um, network and get other people's views about how they do things. Um, no one size fits all. You know, what the banks do is, you know, not necessarily right for a small remittance provider. And that's part of the, the difficulty with this. You can't just take a, an answer off the shelf and plug it in. Um, it's got to be tailored to your business and it's not just the, you know, the program, but it's the risk assessment that is the foundation of the program as well. So that takes some expertise and I think the best words of advice I can give are to uh, not try and do it yourself, to, to consult, you know, look at your network, and, uh, you know, get, get advice if you need it. Um, and once you've got something that you're confident in, to keep it up to date. It's, you can't sit and forget with this. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Andrew. It's always a pleasure, Kwame. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary.